Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Joel Rosen. I am the Adrenal Fatigue Recovery Ninja. And today I'm really, really excited to announce our special guest, Dr. Will Cole. Dr. Will Cole, he is one of the leading functional medicine experts um, who consults with people around the world via webcam. And you can reach him at drwillcole.com and locally in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He specializes in clinically investigating underlying factors of chronic disease and customizing health programs for thyroid issues, for autoimmune conditions, hormone dysfunctions, digestive issues, and, and brain problems. Dr. Cole has been named one of the top 50 functional medicine and integrative doctors in the nation and as a health expert for Mind Body Green and G-O-O-P, a goop. A doctor, Dr. Cole is the author of the book Keto, uh, Ketarian, in which he melds the powerful benefits of a ketogenic diet with a plant-based one. So thank you so much, Dr. Cole, for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. So, you know, I want to kind of delve right into your book. I mean, I, I saw you announce this book. I'm super happy to have this book. I wish I just had the autographed version, though. <laughs> Um, but I wanted to delve into that because it's an awesome tool that I think a lot of the readers that, um, that follow me need to have in their hands and let alone just any, any, any person that's struggling with poor health. Um, but can you tell us a little bit um, about your journey, Dr. Cole, in terms of how you got on this path and why you wrote this book? Sure. Yeah, I wrote Ketotarian. It really was born out of my own journey and then now seeing patients just my clinical journey of seeing patients and what works and what doesn't and so really my journey began a long time ago in kind of the countryside of Pennsylvania outside of Pittsburgh when I was growing up and my parents were interested in health and wellness so I was already always like immersed in that way of thinking in in the context of the 80s and 90s and so it was a little bit more you know, it was definitely different than it was now, but it was focused around real food. We were getting like raw grass-fed dairy at like the local farmer. We were getting sprouted things and organic stuff. And I was drinking weird herbal adaptogenic elixirs before it was Instagram sexy. <laughs> uh, it was just because we did that. Um, so I didn't really own it for myself until I was in high school. And then it was not just something that my parents told me to do. It was something that I wanted to do for myself. And I became a vegan, which I wasn't before that, but I became a vegan because I learned about CAFOs and factory farming and the food industry. And I was done with good intentions. And I had done that for my, my mid to late teens to my mid to late twenties. And I noticed over that time period, slowly, uh, I had more digestive issues. I had more fatigue issues and what I was doing ultimately wasn't sustainable. The way I was eating plant-based wasn't sustainable. And I was having sprouted grains, sprouted legumes. I was having real food. I knew how to eat uh, that way. I wasn't having tons of junk food just because it was vegan. Uh, I was doing it really well, um, but it wasn't sustainable for me, for my body. And was it better than the standard American diet? Certainly. But just because something's better doesn't mean it's optimal for you. And that's really the heart of what we talk about in functional medicine is we're all different. And even with healthy, good things, what works for you may not work for the next person. And I found that to be true for myself. And I had to evolve from more of a conventional plant-based diet to ketotarian, which is why 
I didn't call it that then. Uh, it's my made up word that is this amalgamation between, between being plant-based but still being uh, fat burning and getting our fuel from healthy fats and being fat adapted. And um, then it was right around that time that we were, um, we were, I was at my school, which you went to as well, where uh, it's sort of an integrative school where there's DCs and MDs and acupuncturists and oriental medicine all there, kind of learning their crafts and educating people. And I heard of a guy called Datis Karazian, who I'm sure you know, but basically he'd gone to our school um, and he was talking about this thing called functional medicine. And um, at that point, I thought, you know, that really, this makes sense to me. This kind of fully fits into how I see the world anyways. And it's this best of being evidence-based and running labs and being thorough. Um, and that's the best of Western medicine, I think, is running labs and, being, and getting good objective data. And then the best of alternative health, which is actually getting somebody healthy and not just covering up with a medication, which is what really is given for options for people in the standard model of care, largely speaking. So yeah, and that, that kind of immersion in functional medicine also coincided with my immersion of my food journey. Um, so, and then again, over the last 10 plus years, I've seen patients around the world talking about this stuff of food and the impact on the gut and the immune system and the brain and our hormones. And it, that, culmination of my own journey and functional medicine seeing people over their health journey really what brought about ketotarian as it's known today uh, which is a book and uh, it's kind of all that great insight into food and how you can be a plant-based ketogenic eater um, and you don't have to pick one or the other it's really you can do both and get the benefits of both so that's where it came from that's awesome. And, you know, and I want to get into that, too. Um, but just as a sidestep, um, you know, I wish I would have had to tease at our at our school when when I was going through. Um, it wasn't until I was graduated with, you know, over $150,000 worth of student debt. Um, you know, the Canadian dollar was 67 cents to the American dollar. And then when I graduated, it was more than the, the, the American dollar. So I got double whammied. Um, my wife was pregnant with twins. Um, she had to go on bed rest and I just injured my back and mm -hmm. I was exhausted and burnt out thinking, holy crap, how am I going to do this? I had an acupuncturist as a patient come in and he dropped this book, Why Do I Have Thyroid Symptoms Even Though My Blood Tests Are Normal by Dr. Tatis. And I was like, I don't have a thyroid problem. I don't need that. So I sort of let it sit on my shelf for probably about six months, maybe a year. I don't remember exactly how long. And something kept dragging to it to me, Dr. Cole. And I was, finally, I opened it up and it was like an epiphany. It was like, I cannot believe I've never really heard. I've heard of adrenal, but I've never really heard of adrenal fatigue per se. Um, you know, I had um, a picture of me in there, basically. And then that opened up the the sort of the, the wormhole, if you will, will of getting into, you know, evidence-based testing and functional medicine and looking at systems in the body and so forth, um, which kind of brings us to, um, you know, what you designed with, with this entire book and the entire movement. Um, but you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier that um, the, you know, the, there's a couple of myths in terms of eating in a ketogenic way. And, and I like the way you detail it in your book in terms of, well, there's the hardcore 
keto people that make their mistakes. And then there is the, you know, on the, you know, on the other side of the fence, the, the vegans that, you know, don't want to eat, you know, animal based and high fats. So how were you able to put those two together? Let's talk a little bit about that if you would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, the potential pitfalls of the ketogenic diet done conventionally, as you see it online or on social media, or maybe even some books, you'll see lots of dairy and cheese and bacon and meat. Um, and then obviously the more current ke ke uh, carnivore diet, which is, you know, can be a, seen as more of a high protein ketogenic diet too. But there's a lot of that going on. A lot of cheeses and high fat dairy and bacon. And that is like seen as ketogenic, which it is. It is high fat, low carb. But just because something's high fat, low carb, just because something's keto doesn't mean it's optimal healthy for optimal wellness sustainably. So I have no doubt, and I've seen it before, where there's this honeymoon period with the conventional ketogenic diet. They'll lose weight. They're off of a lot of the garbage. They are off of the refined foods and the junk foods. And they they are seeing weight loss and they see the initial benefits of burning ketones and there's this honeymoon experience with, with the conventional ketogenic diet. But what I find is that, A, people can hit at a plateau then after that honeymoon period of like, well, like I'm, I'm, I'm stuck or B, they're having long-term, uh, they don't feel as good or C, it's, it's, they are becoming uh, overly obsessed with macronutrients and avoiding plant foods. And then the implications that has in the gut microbiome, which we need for a healthy immune system and all of the far reaching implications of the healthy gut microbiome that we get, the more diversity we have in the microbiome, the health, healthier we are. And we get that from plant foods. So they are um, not having enough vegetables or they're avoiding them entirely. Um, so short term, great, fine. If someone wants to experiment with that. I think the carnivore diet can be um, a, the ultimate elimination diet in some way, you're only eating one type of food, but I'm, I'm concerned with long-term sustainable wellness, a lifestyle. And that's why one of the reasons why I created Ketotarian, the other side of the coin is the conventional plant-based world, the vegans and the vegetarians or the plant-based light centric world. They are to varying degrees, carbitarians. They are having various amounts of whole grains and sprouted grains and a lot of the ways that I was eating for, for 10 years plus. The, the reality with that is that a lot of people don't do well with that when that's the foundation of their plate for years. So short term, again, it's better than the standard American diet. It's just like the honeymoon period with the ketogenic diet. But is it sustainable long term? For some people, certainly. But for everybody, no, we're all different. And a lot of people struggle with that long term. Their digestion's being impacted, their fatigue, the, they have inflammation levels, their blood sugar's off. There's a lot of issues with that long term, with eating a high carb, low fat, or high carb, whatever fat, they're not even looking at the fats maybe, um, of, of the conventional plant-based vegan vegetarian diet. So let's get the benefits of both, which eating plants is, are great for your health, detoxification and good for the microbiome and all the antioxidants and the fiber, all of that stuff. And then let's get the benefits of the ketogenic diet, which is becoming a fat burner, lowering inflammation, increasing brain function and mitochondrial function and all the great stuff, becoming a fat burner. Let's have the alchemy of both, uh, which is 
ketoterian, this play on words, right? It's, it's this, someone said recently that with ketoterian, I created a, like a celebrity couple name, like Brangelina or Bene, you know, Benefer. <laughs> but it, it's, it's this combination of the best of both worlds. Um, so yeah, that's what it is. No, that's, that's incredible. And, and so, um, and uh, what I wanted to ask was you, you alluded to it as well. So, um, you know, in terms of becoming a, a, a fat burner versus a sugar burner and talking about the energy systems and, and so forth. So if you can just get into a little bit of that. Um, I mean, I do want to talk a little bit about how this may apply to the people that I see, which are typically those that are burnt out, exhausted, not focusing, can't handle stressors, wake mm -hmm. up with, I mean, every, all the things that you see probably with the people you work with, although the people I work with have identified with the fact that the stress system has sort of worn out or it's mm -hmm. not functioning at all cylinders. And, and we say going upstream to where my audience knows that it's more than just an adrenal problem. It's actually, you know, at the cellular level, you're not making energy or ATP at the level where demand and supply need to equal each other. And then you have a sort of a, a prioritization of what is the body going um, to do to keep the lights on at mm -hmm. what expense. So, so can you tell us a little bit, Dr. Cole, about how the ketotarian uh, methodology helps to become a fat burner and, mm -hmm. and at the, you know, at the um, limiting of being a sugar burner. Yeah. And this is a really great, actually, that I'm talking with you about this because your community is very based around adrenal fatigue or HPA axis issues. And that's honestly, if you look on social media and on the blogosphere, there is uh, definitely a lot of conversation happening between the ketogenic diet and adrenal fatigue. And is it wrong to do the ketogenic diet with adrenal fatigue? And they think that it's a contraindication. You know, shouldn't do it. Uh, it'll create more fatigue. And that really couldn't be more further from the truth. Um, the brain, it's a brain-based issue, as we talked before we started recording. It's a brain-based issue. It is a mitochondrial-based issue, and it's a brain hormonal axis and communication line. So there's a hormonal component to that too. Those are three mechanisms that the brain, the mitochondria, and hormones that do very, very well in a ketogenic state. So in ketotarian, I say to go plant-based keto. Again, it's not the conventional ketogenic diet. This is a nutrient-dense, real foods, plant-centric, but with healthy fats in it um, to get your body into this fat-adapted state. Your brain, the mitochondria, hormones, they need healthy fats and nutrients to thrive. And one of the main commonalities between a lot of people with adrenal fatigue or HPA axis issues or mitochondria issues or just chronic fatigue as a whole Inflammation is the commonality there. So whatever form of fatigue you're talking about, it's an it oftentimes has an inflammatory component. Beta-hydroxybutyrate, the main ketone that your body naturally produces in this state that humans would have been in varying times of for eons, your body has that, allow it to tap into it. This metabolic state, it, it is anti-inflammatory. So it, it drives down NF-kappa-B, it drives down COX-2, it drives down these inflammasomes um, that are associated with all types of fatigue. So you're lowering inflammation, you're attenuating inflammation, you're also increasing pro-antioxidant pathways like the AMPK pathway, these uh, healthy antioxidant pro-life, pro-health uh, pathways. 
So that's one thing, lowering inflammation. The second thing is that it's specifically the main ketone, beta-hydroxybutyrate, can pass through the cell membrane. Talk about cellular energy. It actually increases mitochondrial biogenesis. It actually produces more mitochondria to produce more ATP, cellular energy. Your ketone, the ketones that your body naturally produces does this when we allow it. The third thing is that you talk about the brain and the HPA axis, the brain adrenal axis, the ketone beta-hydroxybutyrate can pass through, through the blood-brain barrier and actually decrease brain inflammation, uh, attenuate the inflammation. It's clean brain fuel. Uh, so it's uh, instead of being a sugar burner or a fat burner, which is like the log in the fire, it's more sustainable, it's more energetic for you to last throughout the day without getting the volatility of the cortisol roller coaster and the blood sugar and the insulin roller coaster that many people in this sugar burning state find themselves on, which, I mean, that's not even talking about um, when you're talking about HP axis. I think a lot of times the problem is insulin or component of the problem is insulin and blood sugar volatility. So as you become a fat burner, you're off the blood sugar roller coaster, which impacts cortisol, impacts the brain and impacts your energy levels and mood and all of that stuff. So you don't have those reactive hypoglycemic uh, problems throughout the day, the low blood sugar problems too. Uh, and then your hormones need uh, fat, as you know, too. But I mean, for your listeners, that your hormones need um, healthy fats too. So there's a lot of really fascinating practical health applications as to why being a fat burner is an optimal state for optimal HPA axis function, adrenal fatigue, chronic fatigue, any, any, any associated uh, problem there. Um, so this is what I've seen over the years. I love patients getting into this metabolic efficiency and this metabolic flexibility that they've created. But after eight weeks of being plant-based keto, getting these benefits, the mitochondrial brain, the inf lowering inflammation benefits, then from there, they can find their, their groove. And that's really the heart of what we do, as, as you do too. It's the heart of functional medicine is finding out what's right for you long-term. And then from there, they can do a few personalizations, personalizations to their ketotarian lifestyle. They could do a cyclical ketotarian where they're doing like four to five days in the ketogenic state, and then they moderate their carbs the other days, like three days a week. Some people really do well. A lot of women do really well with this where they just cycle in and out of it. And there's sort of this flexibility and this lightness to it where they feel really great in the ketogenic state, but then maybe they do a hard workout or they um, just enjoy having these certain healthy, real food carbs. They'll moderate their carbs. It's not super, super high carbs necessarily, but it's just moderating it. And they'll go out of ketosis, but they can go back into ketosis when they want to. But they've built that metabolic flexibility over those eight weeks being plant-based keto that they can do that. Some people do it more of a seasonal ketotarian approach where during the summer, they'll have more fresh fruits in the garden and they'll just naturally be less uh, ketotarian and ketogenic state. But in the winter, they'll be more ketotarian just naturally because they're eating seasonally and they're focusing on more of the lower carb, high fat way of eating. And then that's more of a primal way of doing things. Our ancestors would have done things similarly. Uh, and then another approach is staying in ketosis longer term. A lot of times people that have insulin resistance or diabetes or brain issues or inflammation, autoimmune conditions, they won't feel good if they go out of ketosis. So they find themselves better staying in there. 
and they won't, they don't have the great metabolic flexibility that other people have. We're all different. So they do better staying there long-term. So there's not a one size fits all approach here. You can really use this as your metabolic foundation and then fluctuate or stay the same or do it seasonally, depending on what, where you feel the best. And that's where I think that this is really in alignment with functional medicine because it allows you to really tailor it to your lifestyle and your body and where you feel the best. No, awesome answer. And I'm glad you provided that detail in that and in your book in terms of having the flexibility to, to go and, and really understand your body and the needs of the body. One of the things that brought in my mind was, um, you know, we're always told that old adage, like you started off with, you know, there's a lot of people in the, in the world of functional medicine or on the blogospheres that say that it could be, you know, the worst thing for adrenal fatigue. And, you know, I also find that, um, you know, when we're going through nutritional courses or even just going through all your, your schooling and, and so forth, some of the, the advice we got earlier on, it was, oh, small meals more frequently, right? To keep mm -hmm. that blood sugar um, from falling, to save the adrenals. And, and that I find, I guess the question I'm asking you, Dr. Cole, is how do you teach your patients to know which ones to go into and know their body mm -hmm. um, and know the difference between, say, a, a physiological hunger and a psychological craving where they, they, you know, they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm just going to eat a couple meals a day or I got to eat way more fat or I'm not going to have, you know, small meals. Like I had a guy having 16 meals a day, you know, getting up in the night and <laughs> making sure his, his blood sugar doesn't, doesn't plummet. So mm -hmm. I guess the question would be, how do you, how do you help bridge the gap for patients to bring, bring awareness that, okay, this is ultimately good. I'm going to become a, a fat burner versus a sugar burner, but how am I going to, you know, lose that safety net of, of those small meals more frequently? Does that make sense? The question? Oh, yeah, completely. So the six meals a day or the 16 meals a day, the multiple small meals during the day is not a falsehood. It's the truth. If you want to put kindling on the fire, if you want to have sugar for every meal, you're going to have to have a lot of small meals throughout the day. If you have blood sugar issues, that is the only option you have. If you're putting, if you're burning sugar for fuel, because it's short lived akin to kindling on a fire, it'll create light, it'll create fuel, but you have to keep putting it on throughout the day. So that's true. The advice that the people are given in the conventional setting in this sort of general dietitian world or the diabetic world or uh, the real food plant-based world. That's what they say to do for blood sugar balance because they're offering kindling. So the, the other alternative is putting a log on the fire and you just have to do it less. What I find is, is that people that are nervous or, you know, they are like, how can I, because they're, all they're used to is kindling. How could I do it? It's because you're used to kindling. So it doesn't make sense when you only experience kindling on the fire. If someone, no one's ever seen a log on the fire, they would think that's crazy. This is never going to last that long. This is going to burn up in a couple of hours. They just are kindling focused because that's all they know. But the other alternative is once people have seen a log in the fire, like we all have seen logs in the fire, we know that this is not something to worry about. This will burn for a couple of hours. This will burn a long time, depending on how big the log is. You can go. You don't have to be nervous. The fire will be there. So this is the same association that you people have to see there is that they don't have to be nervous because once their body becomes and starts burning that log, that fat, healthy fat for fuel, 
they just are naturally just more sustainable. They're not hangry. They're not fatigued. They're not having the low blood sugar symptoms anymore because they're off of that volatility that was, a kin that was associated with that kindling of burning sugar. So there's just an experience thing. They just have to try it out for themselves. The problem that I find that pe some people should be mindful of is they get stuck in this metabolic purgatory where they aren't, they're going off of all the sugar, but they're not fully calorically eating enough food or they're not focusing enough on the healthy fats because maybe they were so used to eating different forms of even the healthy sugars so fruits and grains and legumes and all that stuff, the bars and the, you know, the granola bars, they're off of that stuff. Then they're not eating enough food. And then they're, so they're hypocaloric, they're off of the sugar kindling, but they're not eating enough fat. So they're like in this metabolic purgatory where they feel like it's, this diet's not working for me. This keto thing's not working for me. This ketoarian thing's not working for me. It's because they are, that they're going from literally tons of kindling to starving themselves and they're not eating enough food. So it's not the ketogenic thing that's not working for them. They're just not eating until satiety. So I would eat more food, uh, focus on healthier fats, give your body the fuel it needs, and there is no doubt that some people may have to lean into this. And in ketotarian, I have, I keep a lot, I have a lot of keeping it simple options. So if somebody's so much engrossed in that sugar burning state, that matter, it may behoove them to lean into it and not go zero to 60 and just go stop it all at once and go right into ketogenic. I don't necessarily think that's right for everybody. I think that some people, depending on where they're at on their wellness journey, may wanna just start off simple and just start off of eating generally the, the categories of foods we're talking about. In ketotarian, there's vegan keto, vegetarian keto, and pescatarian keto options. So they can focus on these real foods, these healthy fats, but not necessarily being ketosis. They can focus on these clean proteins, all these good vegetables, and some low fructose fruits. And then at that point, they're making, they're like leaning into it. They're making that transition without going like a rubber band and going zero to 60. And it's just too much for their, their mind or their emotions or their system to handle. And then from there, they can lean into it. It's just a natural progression into this more fat adapted state. Um, so those are some things to consider. I find if people do that properly, it's gonna work for people because it's, your body will thrive in this state. It's uh, just a matter of making that transition work for the individual, depending on where they're at. Yeah, no, awesome answer. I, uh, I've used that word met metabolic purgatory myself. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's a couple other caveats to that in terms of, let's say they're doing the right things, but then, you know, they're under stress, you know, between finances and home life, that's going to shoot up a lot of cortisol and get them out of potentially a ketosis, or if they're dealing with a major relapse or a uh, retrovirus or whatever it may be, that inflammatory mechanism may also give them some frustration. So, mm -hmm. but the other thing is, I think, like you said, is transitioning. If you're doing it properly, Dr. Cole, the first thing, and I'm sure you'll agree is they'll say, I can't believe how low my sugar cravings are now, or how mm -hmm. my cravings have um, really diminished. And yeah. then they start to get that idea. But, you know, just sort of transitioning, you've, you mentioned in the book to test or not to test. So, you know, we, we do that in our office. We have the Keto Mojo and um, we have patients doing um, baselines and ad hoc readings just to get the, the, the calibration up, you know, between what am I feeling right now with what's physiologically happening in the body. Um, how, how, do you, how do you recommend your patient base do that as well? Just some insights from you. 
Mm -hmm. So I think the keeping it simple option for people, if they're just doing this way of eating from a lifestyle standpoint, they want to get the benefits of it, but they don't necessarily want to test. I think there's a certain group of people that don't need to test. They'll just see the natural signs that they're in fat adaptation. They're in this fat burning state. They have more energy, lower inflammation levels. They're less, they're not hangry. They're not irritable anymore. They can go longer without meals. They're losing weight. All these benefits of being in ketosis and being a fat burner. Some people that's enough for them. They don't have to know because they're seeing the benefits in their life. So keeping it simple is where they're at and go for that, go for it. And then there's some people like you're saying that are going through health problems. They, you wanna know they're in it for sure or we're managing food, we're using food as more specific therapeutic tools. At that point, I would test for it, at least at the beginning to get accustomed to, is your body in this state? Especially if somebody is not making that metabolic transition as well as others, they may wanna check in to see if they're hitting that mark to see if their body's producing ketones or not. So the gold standard, like you said, is, is a blood and ketone meter. Keto Mojo is a good, great one. Uh, measuring beta hydroxybutyrate, which is that main ketone that all the medical research is being done and the benefits of that. Um, but you can do breath if someone doesn't want to do blood, um, like ketonics or another brand, you can measure breath acetone and less um, desirable, but still okay at the beginning would be a urine strip to measure acetoacetate. Long-term, as your body becomes more fat adapted, as you know, you're, you may be peeing less ketones out. And really, all it's really showing you is that you're good at peeing out ketones and you don't really know if you're burning ketones. And somebody can have an, uh, a higher or lower, and it may even be small, like negligible amounts of urine ketones, but you measure their blood ketones and it's completely an optimal nutritional ketosis. So I would stick with blood and breath uh, more optimally uh, than the urine, but at the beginning people want to lean into it and they don't even know if they want to do this long-term or test long-term. I think urine strips can be a good uh, indication earlier on and it's more inexpensive too. And um, it's less commitment. They can just buy the strips. So uh, those are the different options that people have. Yeah. No, I think those are great. And I like the adage, you know, I have a, a term that I tried to patent. It's called reducing your stress footprint, right? I mean, you have your ecological footprint, but simple is better, right? I mean, if we're getting, I, I have a program, we're getting people to do their glucose, we're doing some pH readings, we're looking at their, you know, their, their HRV, um, and, you know, it becomes overwhelming, like how much calories and so forth. And, and now you're sort of defeating the purpose, right? You're trying to do these data tracking or biohacking, yet, you know, at what means you're, you're making it worse than the, the actual what you're trying to do. So um, I, I love that idea for sure. Um, th the last thing I guess I would ask is you kind of get into some advanced strategies um, in terms of intermittent fasting. Um, you know, how... how how do you recommend for someone who likes this idea, I'm gonna start off slowly, I'm gonna increase my healthy fats, I'm gonna decrease my carbs, I'm gonna keep it plant-based, I'm gonna get my protein, not too much, but um, I, I realize that I have to eat less often and I wanna do that long sort of intermittent thing. What do you recommend for them? So there's definitely beginner ways to intermittent fast. There's more advanced ways. A beginner way would be very simple. It's just eat between 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That just goes back to the old adage of don't eat too late, really. Um, and it's allowing your body to, to go into a fasting th state through the night until you break the fast at breakfast. Um, and then the other option is doing a 12 to 6 eating window. See, so there's like time restricted feedings as they also call it. But um, And then 
Other options are more like day two non-consecutive days, there's crescendo fasting, there's more advanced ways for you to, to lean into it as well. Um, I think the right way to intermittent fast is the one is the way that works for your body. And there's not just because something looks great on paper or on an article online doesn't mean it's necessarily right for you. And what I find is again, people get excited with good intentions and they go and they over fast and they're not fully fat adapted. And it's the cart before the horse. And then they go and they binge on carbs uh, and junk food, or they are just not fully there yet. And that's not the context of intermittent fasting that I think fits under the umbrella of what we're talking about here. So I think that you should lean into it, get fat adapted. And then from there, really intermittent fasting will be a natural result of your fat adaptation. You'll just naturally intermittent fast because you aren't hungry and you eat when you're hungry and eat until you're satiated. So I find that, and that looks different to based on other people, your own hormonal issues or gut issues or whatever you're going through that will look different for different people um so it's both it obviously when people intermittent fast and they're doing it properly it will produce ketosis and that's a benefit of intermittent fasting and autophagy and all that good stuff but it also is a result of fat adaptation meaning that you'll just randomly skip a meal because you aren't hungry because you have that log on the fire um so it's both the cause and effect um, ketosis, uh, intermittent fasting is as of ketosis. So um, yeah, so that's what I really what I think. I think that people should just have a healthy relationship with it. Because I think a lot of times when you're talking about food and restriction and fasting, you can get some people, especially coming from the keto world, where it's an unhealthy relationship with fasting. And that's really not where it should be. It should not be about punishing your body. It shouldn't be really any, a form of an eating disorder disguised as wellness and fasting. This is really born out of you feeling great and just randomly leaning into your wellness. And it's a natural evolution or progression of your journey, not this arduous, like restricted punishing uh, thing that was like uh, remnants of eating disorders or an unhealthy relationship with foods. It's yeah, I agree 100%. It's kind of like, you know, it's when it's either you're, I don't know if it's all or none, but it's more in the sense where um, you're when you're sort of in the zone, um, it seems more seamless in terms of the cravings are gone. Um, you can make it to the next morning and not worry about having something at night. You squash inflammation, you help regenerate tissues. And, you know, but if you're worried about it or you're feeding, you know, uh, you're doing it sort of uh, inter intermittently, intermittently, mm -hmm. um, then you could sort of get in trouble and, and have some problems. Um, the other thing I would just want to mention with your book, which I think is awesome, Dr. Cole, is the fact that you have a meal plan for four weeks. Is that right? What, what, tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, first half of the book is science and the heart of it, the ethos of why we're doing this and all the cool facts about what we're doing, plant-based keto. And then the other half of the book are uh, 81 different plant-based keto recipes. Again, there's vegan, vegetarian, and pescatarian options for people. Over half of the 81 are just completely plant-based. And then there's vegetarian section, we bring eggs and ghee in, and then the pescatarian options with wild-caught fish and shellfish and things like that. Um, then um, the meal plan is just putting a lot of those foods and some additional food ideas into a four-week meal plan for people to just get a template, an idea of what it would look like. The meal plan doesn't include intermittent fasting, so your macros will sh shift 
from there. But I wanted people to receive a basic breakfast, lunch, and dinner, what that would look like uh, with the appropriate macros if you were doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner. dinner. Uh, so that's, that's what it is. So people can have the practical real life application to what that would look like. No, it's a great book. And I think I read somewhere in the foreword, someone said they wish that they would have written the book that you beat them to. And I think I agree with that. Um, no, it's an awesome, it's an awesome yeah. book. So I always like to add, you know, I, I've been doing this a lot lately. Um, I've, I'm a big student of Dr. Lynch and all of his stuff that he's taught with his um, Shy Khan and, and so forth. And one of the things he asks his people is, you know, what would you have changed knowing what you know now, like say five, 10, 15 years ago, with your health journey, um, what would that have been, you know, in, in, for you? Um, I don't know. I, I, it's tough because I think that it's so cliche, but I think that what you go through and learn, it's like, it's part of the evolutions. You kind of have to accept everything for, for what it is and it's time. And I think there's a bigger picture to even the small things, even the seemingly negative or mistakes. But I, one thing I would say different and this doesn't apply just to my health journey in general, but just life in general, is I would pass less judgment or no judgment on other people um, and saying, well, like they're bad and making it a personal thing. Uh, you know, everyone's doing the best they can with the information they have at that moment. And when we know better, we hopefully do better. And it, also part of that, that they're on their own journey and to kind of, force it down their throats or kind of preach to them in a way that's overly dogmatic or tribal isn't helpful because they have to have ears to hear and you cannot care more even if it's coming from a good place you cannot care more for their health than they do and i just feel like have giving yourself grace giving other people grace i think is one lesson that i uh, wish i would have done more of that i'm learning now that it's it's more important than we give it credit for yeah, no, that's wonderfully said, said for sure. So, all right, well, Dr. Cole, I really thank you for spending this time with me. Um, so they can reach you at Dr. Will Cole, that W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com, right? Is that correct? Yeah, Dr. Will Cole, D-R-Willcole.com. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then you're selling the book on your site, but they can also get that from whatever, like Amazon yeah. and so forth. Yeah. And we actually, the, at drwillcole.com, it's just a landing page with all the links. So we're not actually selling it on the site, but it's the links for Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Indie Books, all of those different links. Right. And the book is called Keto Tarian. So if you guys are going to watch this, it's K-E-T-O and then T-A-R-I-A-N, Keto Tarian. And I just really want to thank you so much, Dr. Cole, for joining me today. And uh, I, I hope you have a, an awesome, awesome day and, and a really productive uh, week and year coming up. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks, Dr. Cole. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our Adrenal Awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. 
You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen, and we'll talk to you soon.